You're listening to Halford and Bruff. The Ryan Johansson edition has not worked out. Oh, no. What? <laughs> <laughs> no, it has. Shot tip the score. Ryan Johansson released a long-range wrister for the line. That would suck. I thought we were coming. Your wingers can come sometimes like in unexpected fashion. You know, we know that they're going to be coming all over us everywhere on the ice. All right. What an intro that was. A laddie special right there. Good morning. It is Halford and Bruff here on Sportsnet. 650. I'm Jamie Dodd, still filling in for Mike Halford. Jason Bruff is here as well. Good morning. What's going on? Uh, I am... I'm well. Halford, That's good. Halford, sorry, that question took me by surprise because, you know what? Halford never asked, how am I doing? How's at, life? At least not earnestly. Like He's, he's like, like, what's up? Yeah. Yeah. That was... Uh, that was, you know how uh, yesterday you said uh, the game was going to be a process game? Sure. The process was good last night. The process night. was good. The process um, was good last Before night. we get more into the game, first of all, hello, good morning, uh, A-Dog. Good morning. Eddie. Hello, hello. Happy to have you guys here as well. Uh, how from Bruff brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today. Visit your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Also brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling. They recycle. You get paid. 1170 Powell Street. We are coming to you live from the Kintec studio. Kintec, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Kintec! 650, 650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. You can get your submissions in. We're giving something away on what we learned today, right? Two somethings. Wow. What are they? <laughs> $100 gift card to Bridge Brewing. All right. And a two tickets to the Canucks Bruins game. Oh, man. And for both that. for what we learned. Two best what we learned. Yep. Wow. So you have double the chances to win a prize for your What We Learned submission. So we'll read those at 830. The ticket emoji is very important the to differentiate. Ticket emoji so, uh, is very- beer emoji for right. the Bridge Brewing. Oh, and- so you have to decide what your campaign yeah, is Yeah, you can for. enter them to both, but you just I have see, to make I sure see. to okay. put them in there so it helps us. Okay. So the beer emoji and the ticket emoji. And, the but, listeners know. but you can include both in a text. Yeah, if you want All to right. enter it into both, sure. All right. So include either and or both. Hashtag WWL, of course. Yeah, hashtag WWL, a, a beer emoji or a ticket emoji. Send in your best what we learned. We'll read them at 830 uh, and give away a pair of excellent prizes as well. Big show coming up, 630. Jeff Merrick uh, from the Jeff Merrick Show and also the 32 Thoughts podcast. He will join us to talk all things NHL. Bit of a different interview at 730, but I'm looking forward to this one. Matthew Hamachek will join us. He's the director of the new uh documentary series the dynasty on apple tv looking at the 20-year run of success uh, and then ultimately a, a divorce between uh tom brady and bill belichick in new england looking at the the entire experience for the new england patriots yeah the reviews of the show have been pretty positive so far yeah and um i'm definitely interested in uh in, ch- in chatting about this just because it's um it was such a soap opera. Oh yeah, you know, and like 
what do you what do you call it like a melodrama sometimes sure like it mm-hmm. was almost over the top but i want to get I don't don't know if we'll get to the bottom of it in this interview, but... We're going to crack the case here. I want to hear some details about what it was like to play for Bill Belichick, especially if you were a guy like Tom Brady, because it sounds like one of those, like, the championships were great. Everything else was horrible. But it was not a lot of fun in between. (laughs) And I, you know... The fascinating thing about the subject is because, look, there's obviously a lot of people who were pretty sick of the Patriots and kind of rolled their eyes. But as much as this, I I think people were maybe worried this was going to be another just, you know, similar to the last dance where it's just about how great the subject is. A a vanity project for a bunch of guys. But I think the saving grace here is that there is that inherent conflict in the story between Brady and Belichick. And surprisingly, considered they won six Super Bowls together, I actually Mm -hmm. find the most compelling part of the story is the breakup and the the conflict between them, especially towards the end. So, Which doesn't sound like it's been resolved in any I way. don't think so. No, yeah. not, not based on what I've read yeah. uh, about the dynasty here. So we'll talk to Matthew Hamachek. He's the director of the dynasty at 7.30. At 8 o'clock, Randeep Janda, a Sportsnet 650 color analyst for the Canucks. He'll join us, get into last night's game, and look ahead for the Canucks. As well, then, of course, at 8.30, we will do what we learned. So get those texts in now. Uh, But right now, it's time for What Happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? What Happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance, making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit bccsa.ca and Bruff. The the unimaginable has happened. The world is ending. The Canucks have lost three straight games. You know, uh, we didn't think... We had a good run. We didn't think they could do it, but they did it. (laughs) They proved us wrong. Uh, They have lost three straight games after a... 3-1 3-1 loss to the Avs. Oh, um, no! We suck again! No, let's not go that far. They didn't win, and they're still first overall in the NHL standings. Um, and they bounced back with a much more composed effort. And some people will say, oh, we're we're back to praising losses. Like, yeah, in some ways. Um, that was maybe the biggest takeaway for me, that it was a much more composed effort. Uh, the power play is a problem. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, that's also in the running for my biggest takeaway from yesterday's game. But it was good effort defensively, against, especially against the McKinnon line. Uh, just to recap, JT Miller opened the scoring halfway through the first after hitting the blue line with speed and taking a nice pass from Brock Besser. Miller had a good back check to start that sequence, too. It was Miller's 28th of the season. Pretty good start for the Canucks in Denver. They're up one nothing. Uh, the Avs scored the next two, both by Ryan Johansson, who we learned yesterday has not been a fit with the Avs. I'm going to blame our guest for that. So much for that. Uh, he scored two goals. He's not welcome back on the show. Uh, Ilya Mikheyev with the turnover on the first one, uh, if we're looking for our pound of flesh. Um, he actually made a nice play to stop the puck after it was rimmed around by Quinn Hughes. Uh I think it was Quinn Hughes that put it around the wall. Uh, It wasn't like the top of the wall or anything, but it was put around the wall, and he made a nice play to cut it off. 
but then he had possession of it and he kind of just flung it uh, across the ice and it was an errant pass and Taves picked it off or you ended get up. You kind of like Mason Raymond vibes from McCabe sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, at any rate, um, it ended up in the back of the Canucks net. The second goal, which came early in the third, so it was a it was a it was a, it was a low scoring game, uh, especially compared to that wild yes. game. Um, was a lucky one for the Avs after Johansson, who was covering at the right point, just kind of flung one on net from the blue line and it's found its way in. I don't know if it deflected off Garland's stick at the point or might have hit Ian Cole in front of the net, but it was it, – you know how we were saying like, oh, early in the season the Canucks were getting all the bounces? Yep. Well, they did not get the bounces last night in Denver. So the Canucks needed a goal at that point and they needed it badly – to avoid their first three-game losing streak of the year, um, Hoaglander had a great chance to tie it about eight minutes into the third when a puck came out to him in the slot, but it kind of went in his feet and he couldn't get much on it. Uh, a minute later, a minute or so later, Horonic, and a lot of people had an issue with yep. his shot selection here, tried to blast the puck into an empty net. He's still winding up right now, actually. He's on the ice. It still. didn't take that long. It didn't take that long. Well, Georgiev literally sat on his butt. But a couple of abs players were able to come together and block it, and they came flying out like that. That, that shut down pretty quickly. Um, I know different people had different assessments. Like there were other options available to Horonic. Uh, could have gathered it quickly and take a taken a quick snapshot, um, but that still could have been blocked. Um, he could have tried to find an open man uh, if there were two guys coming at him. Uh, then there's probably an open man somewhere. Uh, but then you risk not finding that open man or giving the goaltender time to find his feet. Uh, and the same is true if Horonic tries to move his feet a little bit and find a different shooting lane. Like, I understand the temptation to just blast away. Was it the right play? Clearly not, because he didn't score on it. Uh, the Canucks did get another opportunity to tie it when Elias Pettersson drew a penalty with about six minutes left in the game, but... The power play came up real dry uh, for the second time on the night. And this one hurt because that was basically the game. Ian Cole got called for a penalty, which yep. probably wasn't a penalty. Um, in that, but, that, but that was the game. And the power play had possession, but it didn't have the opportunities. And, you know, the the other major point from the game was, the, was that Archdeep Baines made his NHL debut and I didn't think looked out of place. In fact, I would give him the thumbs up on his performance. 100%. Uh, if you were to read the uh, expected goals or the advanced stats, it wouldn't look very good for him. Um, I sure wish he'd shot the puck on that two-on-one. I think it was with Besser. Alas, he did not shoot it and was minus two on the night playing on a line with Bluger and Garland. But again, like I think those minuses were unfair to him. I, I don't. I didn't see anything that he did particularly wrong on any of those goals. And the head coach seemed to like him because he stuck with him in the third, uh, choosing instead to limit the fourth line. Mikheyev, who's on that fourth line, along with uh, Amon and PDG, yep. could in theory have moved up to replace Baines. Like, I could have easily seen that happen, right? Like, okay, even though Mikheyev isn't, certainly isn't going at this point, hasn't scored in a while, you could still see you put the veteran up with Bluger and Garland, who he's played with before, and then you sit 
Baines, Amon, and PD, PDG once you shorten your bench. But he didn't do that. He stuck with them. Um, and again, look, the Canucks are still first overall. I, I am, I know, it's funny. I went into the text inbox after the game last night, and it was a... Always fun. It was a hellscape in there. And I'm like, how does Satin Vic deal with this? And I, I, I did tune in a bit to the post-game show, and they were kind of like, whoa, people are really, really up in arms. Like, it's a three-game losing streak. Yep. Um, yes, that Minnesota game was um, embarrassing the way those six minutes played out, and Rick Tockett was not happy with it, but the Winnipeg game was close into the third, and they had a few breakdowns. Noah Juleson had some mistakes that he made, so and the power play wasn't good in that one either. Power play's a problem. I think we can all admit yep. it at this point. A big, point. big problem. It's a problem, yeah. And uh, Winnipeg ended up, the Winnipeg's a good team. They ended up with the win. We all know how the Minnesota game went, and that wasn't good. That was easily the worst of the three 100%. games. And then you go into Colorado, and you're you're playing tired at altitude. And I thought they played pretty well. So listen, you you guys know who I, you've been listening to the show for a while. I'm not afraid to blast the Canucks. There, there's no there's no like house radio here with me. I've blasted away at the Canucks for the last what I don't know decade or so. Um, I thought they played fine. I'm not I'm not all that worried about them right now. I think they're going through some adversity. I think the bounces aren't going their way. They're maybe getting a few calls against them. Welcome to an 82-game season of hockey. I'm glad they're going through this. Let's see if they can play their way out of it. Well, and my takeaway from last night's game, very similar to my takeaway from the Winnipeg game, which was the Canucks are very evenly matched against this team. That was a close, well-played. I thought it had really good pace, especially considering the Canucks uh, were on the second half of a back-to-back playing at altitude. That looked like two really good teams playing a pretty good game against each other. And, you know, sometimes you're going to lose those games. I think the fact that... The Minnesota game was sandwiched in there is coloring a lot of this reaction because if you just look at the Winnipeg, and I understand in the third period of the Winnipeg game, maybe there's some loss of composure as well, and that plays into it. Sure. But if you just look at the Winnipeg and Colorado games, like, yeah, those are two of the top teams in the league, and they were really good competitive games. The Canucks didn't get the bounces, and so they lost. That's not out of the ordinary. That's not strange. We don't need to explain that away. That's just a thing that happens, right? Like, as much as the Canucks look like Stanley Cup contenders, it's not as if they're head and shoulders above the rest of the league, that you should ex- be expecting them to just, you know, run rampant over other really good teams. Mm-hmm. If they were playing a playoff series against Winnipeg or Colorado, guess what? They're probably going to lose a game or two in that series. <laughs> yeah. They're not going to sweep them. Like, you're yeah. going to lose games to these really good teams. But the key for me, like, again, I came away last night thinking – yeah, they could absolutely beat Colorado in a playoff series. Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing I saw on the ice last night that made me think, uh-oh, they're, they're, they, don't, they wouldn't have a chance against these guys. They used, to go, they used to go into Colorado, and, like, the shots could be doubled up on, yeah. the, on the Canucks, and they would be hanging on for dear life at five-on-five. Five. That wasn't the case. Um, but let's, I mean, let's be honest. Let, let, let's be honest. The power play is a problem right now. How bad has it gotten pretty bad yeah <laughs> it's gone a long time i mean they had the one goal in minnesota but other than that what are they at like one and for 25 something mm-hmm. like that now and it's just so strange because as you said like we're used to the team holding on for dear life but then getting bailed out 
sometimes by the goalie, sometimes by the power play, right? And still finding a way to get results occasionally. Mm-hmm. Like that was kind of the story of the last few seasons before this one. Now it's a it's reversed a little bit where their five on five play has been excellent recently, but the power play is just not coming up. And it's just so odd looking at it because they have the talent there to be successful. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if they're just in their own heads. And once your confidence starts to fade, then you're a little bit screwed on the power play. But if you're going to be worried about anything from the last three games, I think it's clearly the power play is the thing to be worried about. Well, let's play uh, Rick talking at a pretty short scrum after uh, the game. There's not a lot of traveling media with the team, uh, so he's not getting a, a ton of questions. So Just Murph and Pedersen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, yeah, Elias Pedersen was out there asking questions. Yeah, like, for some reason he just joined the screen. He's like, what's going on with the power play? Is, is that me? Do you is think that, they should sign partly, me to a long-term contract? Is that partly me? No. Is it, you know, Petey, Murph, who gave you a mic, bud? Murph and Kate, Kate, Kate Pedersen asking questions of uh, Rick Tockett after the 3-1 loss in Colorado last night. Effort and the discipline that your group showed for the most part? Yeah, I thought we played a good game. We had a bunch of chances just to put them in. It was a well-played game. How about the way you contained, particularly McKinnon's line and the defensive effort? Yeah, did a nice job against them. McCarr, you know, those guys are special players. I thought we did a really nice job against them. So, yeah, it was a hard It's one of those things that we just couldn't score to get the, the equalizer. I asked Quinn about the power play, and he said you've just got to stick with it. Are you of that mentality, or do you try to... To make some adjustments. Well, I mean, the, well, the adjustments you got to, you know, we got to, we got to start to defer and shoot some puck instead of defer and shoot the puck. Be a little more decisive. Um, you know, get some pucks to the net. I don't think we're getting the pucks to the net. But we got to make sure we start getting pucks to the net. You talked about pregame about how you want to see how your team handled adversity. I mean, I know the result wasn't what you wanted, but are you happy with the way? Yeah, I, I thought I thought we played a good game. Yeah, I thought we deserved better, but uh, they made the plays at the end. You're happy with the chances generated in the third, though. You guys were all around the net. Yeah, we had two empty net shots. I mean, yeah, I was happy with it, yeah. It just sucks getting that penalty at the end. It was kind of a – that would suck. I thought we were coming, and uh, I'm not sure that was a good penalty. Yeah, and by that he meant not a good call. Yes. Not a good – he wasn't ripping Ian Cole. So that's the big uh, the big talk it takes on the refs moment that yeah. uh, the fans have been clamoring for. Five seconds. I'm not sure that was a good penalty. Uh, James from Richmond texts in, this is actually perfect timing to be going through this. It gives management ample time to see all the holes that need filling, get them fixed, and finish the season with momentum going into the playoffs. Yeah, I think it's a good test for the Canucks. I don't know um, if management's wishes are going to change all that much based on these last three games. Like, I, I think they're probably still... If we can find a top six forward, we'll do it. Some big body forward, uh, maybe even just a middle six forward. Yep. Um, maybe a depth defenseman, but I don't know anything beyond that that they can do. I think they've made their big move with Elias Lindholm. Uh, another text that comes into the Dunbar Lumber text line last night was frustrating for me, not because the Canucks played poorly, but because the game was there for the taking all night and the Canucks couldn't reach out and score a goal and take the game over. Mike and Kelowna disagrees. Yeah, Mike and Kelowna is angry, though. Uh, What game were you guys watching? The Canucks were completely smothered. They had very few smooth breakouts, and the Avs were way more aggressive on the puck. 
Mikheyev is, uh, well, I'm going to not read that. Uh, they are still a ways away to beca- being a serious contender. They have to the, get to the point where they dominate the best teams, which, frankly, they aren't there yet. No, no, no. But see, team, that's my point. No team in the NHL. You, that's an unrealistic standard. So you don't. That that's not how you become the a Stanley Cup contender with one on the second no half rest. of a back to back. That doesn't happen, Mike in West Kelowna. If that's like, what you're waiting for, you're going to d- be waiting. downtown Kelowna. Yeah, sorry, down, how how dare you? Uh, if that's what you're waiting for, you're going to be waiting forever because that's not. That's just not realistic. Look, we have seen some teams in recent history look a notch above the rest of the league. I think back to the Colorado Avalanche. You were saying on, on the show yesterday. Yeah, yeah. When they won the Cup, it was a sense of inevitability. It's like, oh, this team is absolutely low. Yeah, they swept two teams along the way, and their other series were kind of close. Like, they were six-game series, but they were, really they, they were going to win. You know, the <laughs> the best of Tampa Bay maybe is is up there as well, but – that's an impossible standard. And you can't say unless you're that, you're not a Stanley Cup contender, right? Because that's not what it looks like even in a normal year. And mm-hmm. I think we have to realize, yes, the Canucks had, you know, they've been at the top of the league for a while here. They've been first, uh, but with a pretty significant gap for a while here. But that doesn't actually mean they were a tier above every other team in the NHL. They're one of a bunch of legitimate contenders. And when you're in these kind of coin flip games, as the other texture says, sometimes you're not going to get the bounces and it's not going to go your way. Um, I'll bring a slight bit of negativity in. Go for it. Are Hughes and Hronik slipping a bit lately? I don't know if they are offensively necessarily, but there was – I mean, the, the two that stand out to me more than anything else are the two rush goals against from the Wild, um, where it, it kind of got glossed over a little bit, I think, because there was so much focus on the collapse, and this happened earlier in the game. But that is a little concerning, because I think one of the ways the Canucks are going to be able to up their game in the playoffs is – heavily leaning on Hughes and Ronick. Yes. They're going to play them a lot, right? And you mm-hmm. need to be able to tilt the ice in your favor when those guys are out there. I'm not worried at all. Like, I, to me, it's very easy to look at that as a blip. It was just Monday. You were saying how incredibly reliably yeah. consistent Quinn Hughes is. Yeah. It's Quinn Hughes. He's going to mm-hmm. be fine. He's going to tilt the ice in his favor the vast majority of the time. But, yeah, I can see a little bit of, a little bit of slippage on the defensive end from those two. They might be a little bit tired or, you know, sometimes they still make, they're still going to make mistakes. And I think sometimes Quinn Hughes is still going to get leaned on a little bit, right? Like he's mm. not a super big guy, so sometimes he's going to get leaned on. I know in the Minnesota game, one of the – while uh, one of their 10 goals, um, he got leaned on behind the net and the puck turned over and it was behind Casey DeSmith pretty quickly. Um, What's up next for the Canucks? Well, it doesn't get a whole heck of a lot easier. They're going to play in Seattle tomorrow and Seattle's going to be pretty rested and the Canucks are still going to be a little bit tired. And then they return home Saturday for yet another big game, big game. on a Saturday night, Rogers Arena. It's it's so big that it's a four o'clock start at Rogers Arena against the Boston Bruins. Um, Tuesday, the Pittsburgh Penguins come to town, and Thursday it's the LA Kings. Those are still good teams. Oh yeah. I know they're going through some struggles. Well, LA don't look now has won four in a row. Did you see that goal by Woo! Byfield? Last night? Yeah. So I think LA is back yeah. to 
uh, scary first-round playoff mm. opponent territory in a big way. And then you go on another three-game road trip, no back-to-backs on this one, but down to California and Nevada at Anaheim, at L.A., at Vegas. So there's another tester. And then guess what? It's Winnipeg on a Saturday night again. And then Colorado comes to town. So this next stretch of games, this is this is a test. Mm-hmm. And guess what, folks? They ain't going to win them all. <laughs> and they're not going to dominate them. They're not going to dominate them. But you hope that they win more than they lose. And then... They've got the trade deadline right before that Saturday. The nine-game homestand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Saturday game against Winnipeg that I mentioned. Um, and then, like, the schedule does ease up for them a little bit because they're, they've got this nine-game home stretch, and though it starts with Winnipeg and Colorado, then you've got Washington, Buffalo, Montreal, those those types of teams coming coming into town. But it's going to be tough. And I'm glad they're going through this. I don't regret saying that. I don't regret wishing for it. Uh, they, I regret both of those things that you're saying. <laughs> they, are, they, are, they are being tested, and let's see what they're made of. The, the turnaround, it's, I love that the bar has been raised in Vancouver. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I was so frustrated for so long that the bar was so low that, you know, I've been through my rigor more, like a whole routine before where, like, you give a standing ov- ovation to Ole Ulevi for making a breakout pass. Like, that's how, how low it got <laughs> in Vancouver. And, like, Goldobin would, like, compete for a puck and you'd be like, he's coming along, right? Like, uh, yeah, we're losing 8 2. Um, you so say I, as you roll around in the fetal position? Yeah, no, not even. Not even. I, I, you know how I watched games the last few years? Just like laughing. Yeah. Just like a dark, evil, like laugh. Like, like I just be like, Snifter oh of porch in one hand, like, cigar in the other. I'd be like, God, I hate <laughs> this team. Roaring fireplace. This team is just awful. Um, I, you know, we've, we've changed our, we've changed it so much now that Mike in downtown Kelowna expect us to not only beat the best teams, dominate, the, but dominate. Why aren't you the dominating the like, other good teams? Why like, are you letting this McKinnon guy skate around the ice so fast? Don't get me wrong, I love this fan base. It's unique and it's and it's great. Um, we're gonna take a, a little detour around the rest of the NHL with Jeff Merrick. We can talk a little bit of Canucks with Jeff, but. Um, we're going to take a little detour around the rest of the NHL with Jeff coming up next, but we do have an open segment in the beginning of hour two where we can dip into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. You're listening to the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Everything Canucks before and after the games. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shaw. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Halford and Ruffier Sportsnet 650. Jamie Dodd filling in for Mike Halford. Uh, Halford and Bruff brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today. Visit your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Also by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling. They recycle. You get paid 1170 Powell Street. The hotline is brought to you by Dispatch Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. The first call, the only call. And we now go to the hotline where we are joined by Jeff Merrick, host of the Jeff Merrick Show, also co-host of the 32 Thoughts podcast. Jeff Merrick is a presentation of Angry Otter Liquor. 
Jeff, thank you for doing this. How are you? We have a man down, I understand, Jamie. Uh, Mike Halford, yes. Yeah. <laughs> he's uh, he's on the he's, shelf. So, you know, I got the tap. Yeah. I got the tap on the shoulder. I got called up. So I'm doing That's my best. Good. Did, did, did we issue a press release? Is this uh, UBI, LBI? LBI. Do we know the nature of this. LBI? LBI, yeah. yeah. And if you ask so, me any follow-ups, I'll just be like, LBI. <laughs> <laughs> so my favorite uh, my, my favorite injury press release ever comes from Chris Botta. Do you guys remember Chris Botta? Yeah, with the Islanders. To, uh, be, yep. Yeah, with the Islanders. Yeah. So Chris Botta is one of my fa- one of my favorites to, to talk to, and he was a, he was a wonderful media relations uh, director for the Islanders for a number of years. And when they were trying to hide one of the mini Rick DiPietro injuries or shade it, or gray it up a little bit, or not be entirely forthcoming, but still say something about why a Rick DiPietro wasn't around. Chris Botta came up with the best term, and I still laugh about it to this day. The press release read something along the lines of, uh, Rick DiPietro will not be available for the uh, New York Islanders for whatever time it was, due to general body soreness oh and that's good yeah that general but and as i mm-hmm. get older i feel like i should issue the same press release every morning on twitter at yeah. uh i will not be at my best due to general body soreness i thought that was a, a thing of beauty and if there is a nhl you know uh, communications hall of fame i think that press release from chris bodish should certainly be in it isn't that why they make Advil, like just for for guys our age, like general body yeah. soreness, right? Just like to just, be able to just be to get out of bed and put your yeah. pants on. <laughs> hey Jeff, um, is this bout of adversity that the Canucks are going through going to pay off for them in the end? Is it a good thing that they're going through this? That they're being tested? That not all the bounces are going their way? That maybe even some calls are going against them, and the pressure is starting to ramp up a little bit. You know what everyone around the league is looking at right now with uh, with the Vancouver Canucks and, you know, Vancouver Canucks fans sort of panicking about a three-game losing streak? Everyone's having a little bit of a laugh, and in some cases, a big laugh at this. Welcome to the rest of the league. Yeah. Like, the last team to go with, like, like honestly, if, if this is the worst thing that happens to the Vancouver Canucks today, you're doing great. Okay, so they're on a three-game losing streak. It's an 82-game season. It's going to happen to everybody. Who I, I'll tell you, like, Whoever wins the Stanley Cup now, doesn't matter who it is because everyone's gone through it, that team will have gone through a three-game losing streak. It's okay. This isn't Chicken Little. This isn't the sky's falling. This isn't Panic Panic. This isn't Lady Macbeth, you know, wandering the hallways, you know, out damn spot, out damn spot. Let's all relax, Vancouver. It is a three-game losing streak. Spoiler Every team goes through this. I wouldn't, honestly, I, I wouldn't read too much into this. I mean, the, the one thing that Vancouver, as you guys well know, and have documented, like they've got health on their side and like you can't fault them for that. You can't say, oh, sure, they've been healthy all year. And they've got like a super high PDO and they're surfing on that. Well, that happens. Like you shouldn't, and you shouldn't apologize for it. Like luck is very much a thing. Health is very much a thing. And sometimes, you know, the you just, you get a sort of season of blessing where you're healthy um, and you ride a super high shooting and save percentage. These things happen in hockey. There's no need to be anxious about it or even apologize for it. Um, If there was any good news for the Canucks is that Vegas was also in action last night and they lost. They lost to the Nashville Predators at home. Uh, That 
game marked the return of defenseman Shea Theodore, but Mark Stone had to leave the game yeah. and did not return. Uh, what was your first thought when you saw that Mark Stone could not return to the game? Well, the first one, like the the hit was weird, right? Like the the the, the collision was was bizarre. It's like whoa, because you're watching the game and then bam, that comes kind of um, out of nowhere, like. It's not exactly a secret that, you know, one of the biggest fights Mark Stone has had with the Vegas Golden Knights is with the hospital bracelet. Like, and any time you see Mark Stone get hurt and leave the game and, and not come back, you have to wonder, like, uh-oh, is this going to be another extended stay um, uh, on, the, uh, on the outside for Mark Stone? Um, it's nothing new. It's something that Vegas has had to deal with before. Um, I mean, he's still one of the best two-way players in the game. You're always better with Mark Stone in the lineup than, than without. But as we've seen with Mark Stone, when it comes to, to playoff time, he's kind of Patrice Bergeron in that he'll play through anything. Like, I'm always amazed at players like Stone or Bergeron or a lot of guys, really, that they have this incredible threshold for pain and this incredible threshold to endure. But make no mistake about it, it's not great. Um, it's not good at all. I mean, uh, there's the, the whole Jack Eichel um, situation. You mentioned Shea Theodore comes back, but, you know, this is a Vegas Golden Knights team that's had to put up with some key injuries um, this season. Um, so I don't think it's anything that until we get clear, you know, sharper pencil on this one that anyone needs to panic over in Vegas. It's never good, but until we know exactly what the issue is and what's wrong with Mark Stone, I don't know that it's anything that anyone should freak out about. But again, like this is a team that's like their number one guy, Jack Eichel's been out for how long too. So yeah. this is a team that's, you know, well, like that, that's insulated enough that they can withstand even a couple of injuries to a couple of key players here, not only Eichel, but now in the, in this case, Mark Stone, I, I think, I think Vegas is, is, I think Vegas is fine. Although I still do think that Vegas will at least make one move come around around trade deadline time. I do wonder about their left side and whether they make a move to sort of boost up their left wing. Well, yeah, I was wondering about that because we're so used to Vegas being hyper-aggressive and going at, taking the big swing and, you know, hey, if there is yeah. an LTIR situation, okay, let's use that to our advantage, which full credit to them for doing so and having the willingness to do that. I look around this year, though, like, is there a big swing, a real, like, Vegas-type needle-moving swing even out there for them to uh, take a stab at before the deadline? It's, it's, a, it's a great question, and, I'll, you know, it's interesting, too, because, you know, last year, Ivan Barbashev didn't feel like a big swing, but that was the most impactful trade at trade yep. deadline. With all due respect to the Edmonton Oilers and Matias Ekholm, the most impactful trade was Ivan Barbashev. And the one thing about Vegas is, like, that's a team that scouts really well. And that's a team that, like, like Kelly McCrimmon likes to have his entire scouting staff everywhere. Like, when, when, they, when, they get on, like uh, when they get on a player, like, they scout hard. You know, when Elliot and I sat down in Seattle and, and talked to McCrimmon, he talked about, I think it was, like, 55 viewings they had of Barbashev. Like, I know everyone plays that. How many scouts are here and what teams are they from? But pay close attention to Vegas. Like, they... They won't just like have a couple of looks at a guy and then make up their mind. Like Kelly McCrimmon likes to flood the zone. Um, so I, I don't know if it'll be a blockbuster. Like, sure, they're involved in blockbusters, whether it's the Alex Petrangelo signing or the, I just mentioned Jack Eichel, and, and that trade was certainly a blockbuster. But I think at the end of it, Kelly McCrimmon and his staff are really, really smart hockey people. And they recognize who their team is and, and who can, uh, can complement uh, what they do. Um, so I, I, I still do think that Vegas does make a move. 
I just don't know how big at the time it is. I mean, we look back on it now and say like, wow, how did everybody else miss on Ivan Barbashev? This guy is awesome. <laughs> but, you know, it, it turned out to be the most impactful move at the, uh, at the trade deadline. So, I mean, they'll be active. The thing about, you know, the interesting thing this, this season, guys, does it not feel to you like last season was all, you know, impact players from the West going to the East. Like, that's where the drain was. It went from the West to the East, right? And all the Eastern teams all loaded up, Toronto and Boston and, like, everybody, Tampa, everybody loaded up in the East last year. Does it not feel like it's the exact opposite this time around? Mm, that, you know, you run down Maybe the there's going to be some players be, from Calgary, though. Yeah, there's going to be some players from Calgary. It's certainly true. There's, there's, there's going to be some, and I think, from Arizona as well. But at the same time, like most of the deals, like how many players, how many teams are legitimately in a position to be buyers in the Eastern Conference versus their counterparts in the West? Like Dallas is going to make a move. They want a right shot defenseman. Colorado is going to make a move. Winnipeg Jets. um, Listen, Winnipeg Jets may end up with Sean Walker. Who knows? Mm -hmm. Like they're going to make a move. Edmonton Oilers are going to make a move. The Vancouver Canucks are still not done making moves. The Vegas Golden Knights are going to make moves. The Los Angeles Kings are still going to make moves. Like as far as teams that are in acquisition mode, like all the buyers, last year it was the East. I think this year it's completely flipped. And the lion's share of movement by way of acquisition is going to be done by Western Conference teams. What do you think the Oilers need or want? <sighs> it, Oilers are fascinating. I think they want one defenseman and one forward. Like, I think they would really, I think they would, to be honest with you, I think they would really want Boone Jenner. And I know that John Davidson, whether it was on my radio show last week or elsewhere, you know, certainly with Aaron Portsline at The Athletic, has said, you know, he's not going anywhere. He doesn't want to go anywhere. Boone Jenner is the captain here. Like, I believe that. You know, in the entire organization, they love Jenner. I think ownership really loves Jenner, too. And that's one of the things that we seldom talk about why a player stays uh, and doesn't go. Like, you look at the example of Zemgis Gergensen's in Buffalo. Like, the owner, like the Pagulas love Gergensen. And despite having opportunities to move him, they never have. And there are just some players that owners attach themselves to. I do wonder if, uh, if the McConnells in Columbus have attached themselves to, uh, to to Boone Jenner here, but I can see them trying to get Boone Jenner, and I can also see them trying to pick, uh, trying to pick off one more defenseman. Uh, I think that they, you know, one of the things that I think games against teams like Vegas and maybe even Dallas on the weekend, despite the fact that Edmonton ended up winning that game, I think when they go up against the top teams in the Western Conference, I think what Edmonton realizes is they need to be deeper. They need to be deeper up front, specifically if they're going to hang with the Vegas Golden Knights, you know, they're going to hang with, you know, Dallas or, or Colorado or Winnipeg or the Vancouver Canucks. That's kind of where I, where I see Edmonton going. I'm not so sure anymore that they're in the market for a goaltender. I think that they're, you know, by this point saying Stuart Skinner is our guy, period. It feels very much like that's where the Oilers are in. So there are a handful of pretty hot teams in the East. Uh, the Rangers are playing well, and Shesterkin may have his game back based on a few performances that he's had last little while. Last Although night. I guess he allowed five goals uh, at MetLife Stadium against the Islanders. But last night, yep. pretty good. Uh, the Hurricanes are playing well. The Leafs are eye-rollingly rallying around the Morgan Riley suspension. Eye-rolls in Vancouver, at least, and enthusiasm, I'm sure, in Toronto. But is anyone uh, is anyone better than Florida right now in the East? No, no. I know the Boston Bruins technically have more points, um, but the Florida Panthers have the better percentage. Like, the Florida Panthers are it. 
Like they really are. The Florida Panthers um, are the most complete team in the Eastern Conference. They're the best team in the Eastern Conference. And, you know, how many times have we talked about teams that have the ability to play in a number of different ways? Um, you know, the best example of that was that and that Islanders dynasty team where they let you choose the nature of the game and then beat you at it. Like to me, the Islanders are the most frustrating team ever to play against because they could play high skill. Sure. They could play six to five game. They could play a two to one game. They can play a brawl game that takes four hours. Didn't matter. Like they had the ability and the personnel to play whichever way you wanted. And I think the closest thing we have to that in the NHL right now are the Florida Panthers. They are deep at all the positions. Um, don't look now, but Matthew Kachuk is very much back. Uh, thank you very much. Um, Alexander Barkov is having a delightful season. Uh, this is a recording. And, you know, they have players that can, you know, just, just bluntly drive you crazy. Like players that can completely distract you come playoff time. And I just mentioned Matthew Kachuk, and he's the sort of poster boy for all of it. But then you throw in Sam Bennett. And then you throw in public enemy number one everywhere, Nick Cousins. It's a combination uh, of skill and toughness and... Uh, and weaseling. Play, yeah, I was trying to think of a polite way to say it, but yeah, <laughs> weaseling. Uh, yeah, I like how it's like, look, it's early in the morning, no BS here. Weaseling. Like, they have it. And they have great goaltending. I think they have a really underrated blue line as well. Uh, they're a well-coached team and... Like, I don't know, like, I can't, like, as long as they're all helping, I didn't even mention Sam Reinhardt, he's almost got 40 goals right now in 55 or 56 games, I didn't even mention him. Like, they have the whole thing. Like, they're, they're the complete package right now. I know there were, you know, only like 56 games in the season here, 57 games, but uh, right now, provided they stay healthy, that is that is the best team in the Eastern Conference, Florida, no doubt. Uh, I know you we saw just... what they did to Tampa. You saw what they did to Tampa oh, yeah. on the weekend in Tampa. Yeah, that like, was. Uh... I, I I don't I don't read too much in those little one games, and this is the message, and this is like this is our measuring stick game. But like that was a beat. That was one of those like you know Simpsons. You know, uh, you know he's already dead. Memes. <laughs> like stop the fight, throw in the towel. That was a clubbing of the uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning on Saturday. Uh, I know we just have a couple minutes before we got to let you go here, Jeff. I, I don't have a, an especially insightful question here, but uh, how about that Quentin okay. Byfield goal last night? Oh, okay, so I'm going to be that guy. All right. I hate to do it on your show, but I'm going to be that guy. That's the guy that I saw when he was 14, 15 years old playing for the York Simcoe Express at the OMHA, Edzo. I feel obliged to throw in Edzo when I do that when I get my junior <laughs> hockey on. Um... <laughs> Listen, when I mean when I remember watching him when he was a kid and thinking to myself, like, he's the modern version of what Eric Lindros was. And I know it sounds like hyperbole, but when you like his skate like Barb Underhill, bless her, like the, the work that she's done with his skating is phenomenal. He's always had the size, he's not as hunched over as he was before when he played. Like I think the sky is the limit for a Quinton Byfield. And I think it's really it's a good reminder because he's having a delightful season. Like we all know he's gonna end up in the middle. Like he's he's a center. Um, but he looks great on the wing, certainly too. He, I mean, that is a like that's a power forwards move, right? Like that is a big, like that's a big man's goal last night. The, the way he went to the net as hard as he did and had the soft, soft hands. I think it's just a reminder that we write off kids too fast. That if they don't pop right away, we start saying, ah, dud, throw them away, junk pick, like all that stuff. Uh, all the two, everyone, you know, they, they should have taken Tim Stutzla when they had a chance. Rangers should have taken Tim Stutzla. 
like development's a bunny hop, right? We all think that it's a straight line. It's not. It, uh, it doesn't go in a, in a straight line. I think the best example here is Quentin Byfield, who's looking like an absolute force with the Los Angeles Kings. And yeah, that is, that's the best goal I've seen all year, guys. I don't yep. know about you, but that's the best one I've seen. I loved his reaction after the fact, too. Even he looked like he could barely believe that uh, that he pulled that one off. Um, Jeff, I've been told that uh, we're going to lose our jobs if we don't get you out of here by 10 to 7. So yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll let you go. We'll let you get on with your day. Thanks for doing this. We appreciate it. Thanks, Jeff. Remember, general, general body soreness yeah. is the, uh, the press release that that makes us all smile. Thanks, gentlemen. We'll talk in seven days. Yeah, that is Jeff Merrick uh, from the Jeff Merrick Show here on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network and, uh, of course, the 32 Thoughts podcast as well. Jeff Merrick on Sportsnet 650 was brought to you by Angry Otter Liquor. Find monthly specials, exclusives, and more at Angry Otter Liquor now with 30 locations across BC. AngryOtterLiquor.crs. I always have general body soreness. Does that mean I can be an yeah. NHL athlete? Typically, you need to do something to deserve the general body soreness, not just like lying around. Not just like sleep sleep weird. Atrophy. (laughs) General atrophy. General atrophy. (laughs) Violent sneeze knocking me out. Um, There were a lot of angry otters in the text inbox last night. I actually... I don't normally go into the Dunbar Lumber text yeah, line. Yeah, I saw that text. Like, why would you do that to yourself? From home after a game, but I was just kind of curious. I love doing it. Really? I fascinating. I always just feel sad for Satin Bick that they have to, like. <laughs> I enjoy the ones that come this. in at three in the morning and are just sort of into the void. Just yeah. Like, Who is this for? I mean, I'm not quite the sure. The best, I, I know you have a point to make, but the best, it wasn't a text, it was a call on the uh, post game show last night. And it was somebody who had, like, very brief, sensible thoughts about the game and then wanted to pivot to being very upset that Colorado hasn't taken the captaincy away from Gabe Landeskog and giving it to Nathan McKinnon. Right. That was super disrespectful to Nathan McKinnon because Landeskog's been out all this time. Yeah. It was like really passionate, like it's, two minutes on this. It's, it's like, like we were doing so well here. We you know, so Landeskog isn't dead. He's you know, still yeah. there. It's like, you know this is the Canucks post-game show, right? Like, yeah. what are we doing here? What's Jamie, I keep on? trying to convince these guys just to do one show where they take Collins call all day just to see what happens. It's it too early. early. No, like, that's part of the benefit. The, the problem with the, the post game show People is waking it's, up it's, it's, it's too, too late, late yeah. right? <laughs> like angry late. otter litter, not, uh, liquor. Not only is there some angry otters in there, there's probably some liquor uh-huh. in the inbox. But I mean, I think it's great to see the the city and the market uh, engage with the wins and the 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 wins and the losses and the the game by game analysis of the team because you know when we had january february march and april it was all these big picture discussions and we got to the point where we wouldn't even discuss the games and now i'm seeing people discussing for example philip decision Mm -hmm. to blast away um on that one play and the canucks had chances to tie that game i referenced three of them uh nils hoaglander had a chance um when the puck popped out to him and he couldn't quite get enough on it, it kind of went in his feet and he had to readjust and it was tough play. And then Heronic, I think people are making it out to be easier than it really was. Like that puck comes out to you and you're supposed to just like collect your thoughts and just find the open net and rip it. Right. Like those, those two Avs players came out real quick. They knew their goalie was down. So they knew they had to shut down Heronic. Um, if he had like, if he had shot a quick wrister 
and then it would have been blocked, people would have said, oh, you rushed it. Why didn't you take your time? Pick yeah, your spot. take your yeah. time. Um, you know, and if he had, had taken his time and maybe, you know, used his feet to open up a shooting lane uh, or tried to find an open man, well, what if that shooting lane didn't open? Yes, what but if- he still picked the weirdest of all three options. Do you think so? Yes. Okay. Yeah, lo- lo- loading up for a slapper. Like, just, I mean, the other two may have been blocked, but you just still should have picked the other two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In my opinion. I, I, listen, I, I don't have a problem with people. It was just quest- weird. It was I, weird to see. It was just like, that was a strange choice. I mean, okay, maybe he just felt like the other two options would have been blocked for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I this feel was, like. I if, mean, I'm not an NHL. What do I know? Blasted if right you, through it was this just, guy. <laughs> it was a little weird to see. That I feel like if sure, you could yeah. shoot as hard as Philip Ronick, you'd just be yeah. like, I'm going to yeah. take a slap shot. Maybe it'll go through the guy. Yeah, yeah. At the very least, I'm taking someone out. Yeah. Worst case scenario, uh, I hit this guy real hard. But I think the most frustrating one for me was when they had that power play uh, late in the game after PD had drawn a penalty, and they just they just didn't do anything with it. You know, credit the Avs PK. Mm-hmm. They, they did a good job keeping the Canucks to the outside, but that's something I want to talk about with you. On the other side, we won't get too technical on the power play. We're gonna we're not gonna drop X's and O's, but you've got a theory that the Canucks are missing something on the power play, and we'll talk about that. Uh, we should try in, and figure it out for them, and then email it yeah. to them. I think is what we should do. Yeah, get, just, ta- get talking on the show. Yeah. We'll break it down. Look, for we us. have some ideas. We want you to try. <laughs> have you ever thought about this? Yeah, shoot the puck. You're trying to make have the perfect you ever play out there. Thought about that because a lot of people at the games I've noticed have been yelling shoot, been yelling shoot. They've yeah. been yelling. They shoot. might be on something. Do you guys something. hear that? Do you not pick up on that when they're yelling something? So text into the Dunbar Lumber text line. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center, or Butis in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. The uh, the floor is yours for the next segment. I'm talking to the listeners. Um, so anything you want to talk about, text it in, and we will talk about it. Uh, JanPro, the leaders in commercial cleaning and janitorial. If your workplace demands a clean environment, contact JanPro for a free, no-obligation quote. Visit JanPro.ca. As mentioned, open segment coming up here. Get your texts in. It is Halford & Bruff on Sportsnet 650.